Before I get into our message, I want to pray so that God would be the one leading this message, that God would be the one to speak through this message, and that all my words would just fall to the ground and it's God's words that fall upon your ears. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here, allowing us to worship you, Lord, for giving us a place to gather together where we can be safe, where we can be a little bit cooler than it would be outside, and where we have all the electronics working, where we can hear your word easily. Father, I pray that your words would be spoken today. That anything I say that's not of you would be falling to the ground, that would not stay in our heart, but that it's your word that comes out, that it's your word we hear, and it's your word that we apply. So Lord, go before us today. Help us to hear what you want to speak to us personally today. We thank you again, and I ask that you would bless this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So, today will be Matthew 8. If anyone needs a Bible, Aaron's over there with many Bibles, just raise your hand. So, be in Matthew 8, starting at verse 1. So, one of the main reasons I chose this message was just basically because I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. As we were flying here, I was thinking, okay, Aaron wants me to prepare a message. Okay, God, what am I supposed to prepare? Because I had nothing on my mind. <laughs> and I just kind of had it pop in my head, Matthew 8. And it's kind of, okay, Lord, I'll go and read it. It's kind of, I'm reading it, I'm reading it, I'm reading it. It's kind of, okay, Lord, why is this in my mind? And it just, I felt like God was saying, this is what I want you to prepare to teach. And it's kind of, okay, Lord. So I was trying to prepare for last week, but as a lot of you know, I was sick, couldn't make it. So I had an extra week of preparation, which helped me out a lot, helped me be more ready and helped me be less nervous. <laughs> And so, uh, that was good. As we get into Matthew 8, and look at this first half of the chapter, I want you to know that these stories that we look through are not in chronological order. They're not this story, and then this one happened directly next, and then the next one. It, Matthew kind of pulled these out and ordered them into the way that he felt God wanted him to order them. And so just keep in mind that they're not in chronological order. And then, uh, really, the last story I will touch on actually took place before all the other ones I teach on. So it's kind of interesting how he did that. And, uh, today, as I am talking, as I teach on this, I want you guys to listen to see what God wants you to hear from this, what he wants you to know about him through this. And so keep your ears open to see what God wants to speak to you directly through this message. So Matthew 8 will begin at verse 1. It begins with, Large crowds followed Jesus. As he came down the mountainside, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, so, we see in verse 1 that Jesus, he's coming down the mountainside, but followed by great crowds of people. <laughs> Many people are following him. And I just, I ask myself, why were they following him? <laughs> it, it, they followed him because of his teachings, because of his miracles. He taught like no one taught before. He did miracles like no one had ever done before, and it caused them to be interested in that, and it caused them to want more and figure out more who this man was. And to kind of give you a little bit of context of this story, when it says that Jesus came down the mountain. He was up on the mountain 
uh, teaching his disciples and great multitudes that were up there giving the Sermon on the Mount. So he had gone up there because there was a lot of people around him and it was a lot easier to teach to crowds of people from the mountainside or on top of the mountain. And now he's coming down. Notice that in verse 2, you now see that a leper comes to Jesus. So you see that it says, Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. So what's a leper? Who is this man? A leper is someone who had a terrible disease that would have left him as an outcast and unclean. In the Jewish law, it says you need to stay about six feet from someone with leprosy. You had to stay away from them. And also, if he had touched someone, it would have made them unclean. They would have been considered unclean just by being touched by a leper. And so, you see how it's a big deal of this man coming to Jesus with this disease. And basically, how the Jews saw leprosy was that it was just barely better than death. The only thing worse than leprosy was a dead person. They were lower than dirt. They were worthless. (laughs) Good for nothing. And he had no hope. He had, like... He was the leper. He was an outcast. And then he sees Jesus and comes to him because Jesus is the only hope he had to be healed. (laughs) So look again at verse 2. This man not only asks for Jesus' healing, but kneels before him and worships. He stands before Jesus and he says, Lord, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Can you imagine that? Just standing before Jesus, kneeling before him, and saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I find it just amazing of how that would be. Of how... He's on his knees, and I imagine him looking up at Jesus, still uh, kneeling ways away from Jesus, because he knew there was a certain distance to keep. And he's kind of, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He puts the decision in Jesus' hands. He's kind of, okay, Lord, it's up to you, if you are willing. If you are willing, Lord. He had to humble himself before Jesus and waited for Jesus to respond. And then let's keep looking to see what Jesus is going to do. But I think, do I come before Jesus and worship him before I make a request? Before I ask him something, because this is exactly what the leper did. He comes to Jesus and worships him, and then asks to be clean. I I often don't. I often go right to Jesus. Hey, this is my need. This is my need. My need. And that's not bad. He still hears you, but. What kind of worship does it show him that I don't worship him first, that I don't praise him of who he is before making a request? And one thing I want you to imagine is just standing before Jesus with such a terrible disease and saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I think, what were the others around him thinking? What were they doing? Because you see here, there was large crowds of people following him down the mountain. And this just one leper comes out. I, I imagine that these crowds, these people here, were baffled. They were amazed. They were curious of what Jesus was going to do next. I mean, I would be, if I was there, standing in this crowd of people, and I see a leper come out. 
he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I'm just going, wait, what? Like, who are you to make such a request like that? <laughs> and this guy, okay, Jesus automatically, he's just going to say, oh, no, you're a leper. I'm going to stay away from you. But let's continue on to see what this what the response of Jesus was to this man. So look down at verse 3 and 4. It says, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. <clears throat> and take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So, the first thing we see is that Jesus reaches out and touches the leper. That was unheard of in that time. Can you imagine, again, being this sick man, knelt before Jesus, and Jesus steps forward and touches you? Maybe you've been sick with this disease for 20 years, and no one has touched you for 20 years, and Jesus steps forward and touches you. The first touch you've had for 20 years, or however long you may have had that disease. And like I said, it was unheard of during that time. The Jews were never even supposed to be near a leper. And Jesus steps forward and touches him. It's amazing. And like, it's not just the miracle that amazes me, but it's the fact that Jesus put away the law and said, okay, I'm going to step forward and touch this man and heal him, and make him new, make him clean. The thing, in that time, this would have made Jesus unclean. And according to the law, if you touched a leper, you would have been unclean. And so, the people around him wonder if they thought he was unclean. But we see that the leprosy just disappears. It shows that Jesus... His power, his purity, was so much more powerful than the disease. So much more powerful than the ill that this leper had. And what does that mean for us today? How can we apply that to our lives today? As I heard from another sermon on this, it means that Jesus is stronger than even the deadliest disease or our worst problems. Our sin is never going to be too much that it will affect the power of Jesus, but his power affects us. What we're going through is never going to be more powerful than what Jesus can do for us, than what Jesus can work in us. So just think about that. Whatever you may be going through, it's nothing too strong for Jesus to handle. But I want you to think, was this, was this leper healed and cleansed because of his faith or because Jesus touched him? Was he healed because of the touch? Or was he healed because he had faith that Jesus could heal him? My thought, he was healed because of his faith through the touch of Jesus. It was his faith that brought the healing, and God used the touch of Jesus to heal him. That was the means of his healing. Also notice that when the leprosy disappeared. It says in verse 3, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. It was instant. 
it was immediately after Jesus touched him and said, be healed. Jesus, he didn't wait till tomorrow. He didn't say, when I have more energy, I can do that. Or, wait till I'm less busy. Or, I'm just so tired. I'm, I just came down from this mountain. I'm exhausted. Let me get a drink of water first. Let me go give it a little nap. He did it immediately. While the man was still seeking the help. While the man was knelt before him, he did it. This is an example for you and me to follow up. When someone comes to me seeking help, do I immediately take action? A lot of times I don't. A lot of times I think, oh, at 5.30 I've got to be at this place at this time to do these things for this person. I have no time to just sit here and talk to you. I have no time to share Jesus with you because I have other commitments. But what's our priority? Where's our priority? Because if skipping a commitment we have further down the road to lead someone to Christ, that's so worth it. To save one person is so worth being late for something. How would Jesus have felt? When this man came to him asking him something, what was going through his mind? Was it now another man coming to me wanting healing? Hmm. Okay, I'll do it if I have to. I think he was moved by this man's faith. That he wanted to heal him. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't. Because you see here, this man with leprosy says, if you are willing. Jesus is willing. He was willing. And so, basically the way I see it is the leprosy is kind of, if you want to heal me, you can. But I leave it up to you and Jesus kind of, I want to. of how this leper may have been when he was touched the smile that was on his face the joy he had and how he may have worshipped Jesus after that I would have been filled with joy I would have been jumping I would have wanted to give Jesus a hug I would have been overwhelmed because this disease I've had for however long is gone. It's totally disappeared. And it all came by a touch. And it all started by me taking a step of faith and asking God, are you willing to cleanse me? It's amazing what a step of faith will take us, where it will take us, what it will do for us. And how God's power will be shown through us. It's amazing what a step of faith will do. I want you to look at verse 4. Jesus said to him, Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So, he says, go to the priest. Take the offer with you. Think. Leprosy was an incurable disease back then. Whoever got it was an outcast. And Jesus says, go to the priest with the offering required in the law of Moses, which we can see in Leviticus, and take it to them. I think of the priest's of what their reaction would be. <laughs> they may have been, um, you who are offering this because you're clean. Where, where's it say that you're clean? Let's go look, because this never happened before. A leper has never been healed before. And so it must have baffled them of seeing 
This man come, who is a leper, and come and say, Hey, I'm clean. Here's my offering of, uh, according to the law of Moses. Here's my offering to declare myself publicly clean. And they go, wait, um, what? I would have been filled with questions like, when did this happen or how did this happen? Like, what do you do to get clean? What's the cure so we can have others get clean? It's amazing of the work that Jesus did in this man's life will baffle many, many people. This public claim of being cleansed and healed was a way for him to give God the glory without really drawing much attention to Jesus. Jesus told him, go to the priest. Don't tell anyone, but go to the priest. So Jesus told don't tell anyone, but just go. And it was a way that this man could have glorified God secretly in a way. Not drawing large crowds of people to Jesus, but keeping it a little bit private. So Jesus had a bit of space and wasn't crowded with many people. People would have seen the leper and been completely clean and wondered how he had been cleansed from the disease that had no cure. So when he was publicly cleansed, ceremonial cleansed from the priest, it would have made others wonder. And they could have gone to him. But I want to look at Mark chapter 1, verse 44 and 45 to see how this man actually did respond. So, verse 45, or 44, begin at verse 44. Jesus said, Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. So we see he didn't obey Jesus. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. And he couldn't publicly enter his town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places. But the people everywhere kept coming to him. So we see that he didn't obey Jesus when he said to not tell anyone. He went and told many people. I think, okay, why did he... Why did he not obey Jesus? He had so much faith in Jesus that he could heal him, and then Jesus gives him another command, a next step, and he does the complete opposite. Probably, I think, his excitement got to him. He was so excited of what Jesus did, what work he did, that he just kind of forgot. <laughs> He's like, hey, can you imagine that Jesus just healed me? He was so happy. And he says, God, I'm healed. I can't contain this. I can't can't keep it to myself. I've got to share the work that Jesus did in my life. And honestly, that's kind of how I felt when I got saved. Is that I was saved and I'm just got I I can't just keep this to myself. I got up, I went to my mom and just got mom, I just accepted Christ. And this was like maybe four years ago. And this guy, I want to tell everyone. She's going to wait for them to wake up because this was middle of the night. And uh, this guy, no mom, I want to tell everyone, not just my family, but everyone. I couldn't contain it. And I kind of relate to this man. I just, he couldn't contain the work that Jesus did in his life. I couldn't contain the work I just did in my life. So, 
Now, Matthew gives us another story about faith and healing. So we'll move on from the story of this leprosy and this leper being healed and continue with another story that Matthew writes about. And remember that um, these are not in chronological order. And there's probably a gap of time between this story and the next one. So let's look at verse 5 and 7, 5 through 7. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. So, this Roman officer comes, pleading with Jesus for his servant. He's someone who has authority and was looked up to as a Roman officer. He had people under him that he would tell and command to do things. Yet, he looked to Jesus and said, My servant is sick and in terrible pain. Notice, he doesn't even straightforwardly ask for help, but instead just tells Jesus the problem. He tells Jesus what is wrong with his servant and desires help from Jesus, but but does not ask Jesus how to help. So he just comes to Jesus, hey, this is my problem. And we see how Jesus had responded in verse 7. Just, he says, I will come and heal him. But this Roman officer doesn't ask Jesus to help. Doesn't for say straightforwardly ask Jesus how to help or come to my house. And I kind of feel like this is when I tell someone I'm not feeling good or something is wrong. Like, it's kind of, hey... I'm really not feeling good today. <laughs> like, is there, like, I'm not going to ask them, can you help? I don't want to be burden on them, but I just want to let them know, hey, I'm really not feeling very well today. And hoping they might help. Hoping they might assist knowing that, for say, I might have kids at home, I may have a dog that needs taken care of, and I just can't do it. And I'm hoping that someone will offer, hey, I can help you. I see that you're suffering, I can help you. And I can see that this is what this man did with Jesus. A lot of time, I'm not telling him just to tell them. I'm not going to say, hey, my car broke down, just to tell you my car broke down. But it may be because I'm looking for help, but don't want to directly ask you. So, I want to point out that this man is going to Jesus for someone else. If you notice, he's pleading to Jesus for his younger servant. So, I think of who this servant was. In that time, servants were not highly saw. They were not seen as high people. They were like just another tool, as the sermon I listened to had said. If it was sick, if the servant was sick, they had the right to kill them because they were just a tool. And when that tool wasn't working right, you just throw it away and get a new one. But we see that this Roman officer he comes to Jesus and says, "Hey, my servant is sick." And I was thinking, I can do the exact same thing today in my prayers. I pray to Jesus for someone else. It's called intercessory prayer. Praying on behalf of someone else. And then I kind of examine myself and wonder, okay, how often do I pray for someone else? Am I per se selfish in my prayers? Am I just asking God, help me, help me, help me, I need it, I need it, I need it. Or am I also thinking of others and lifting others up in prayer? I love how Pastor Aaron uh, has the praise 
and prayers at the beginning of service. He's asking you guys how he can pray for you guys. And he lifts you up in prayer. It's an intercessory prayer bringing you before Jesus. And I do the exact same thing in my prayer too, is lifting others up before Jesus in prayer. Especially coming here on this mission trip, lifting Vivian up. I want her to be strengthened and want her to have the power of God in her and the Spirit living in her. And that He moves in her. So I pray for her. I was praying for you guys before coming out here. Even though I didn't know you, I'm just, Lord, open up the hearts of the people I minister to, whether that's here in Yangon, whether that's in Bagan, or the remote village we were at. Just lifting others up. And when I hear a need, when someone comes to me, can you pray for me? I try to make it a point to pray for them right there so that they know I'm praying for them. So, now we see in the text that Jesus was willing not only to heal his servant, but to go to the house and heal him there. Jesus was willing to meet the servant right where he was. We don't know what Jesus was doing other than having returned to Capernaum. It says right at the beginning, when Jesus returned to the Capernaum, or returned to Capernaum at verse 5. So all we know is he had returned to Capernaum. We don't know what he was doing. But whatever he was doing must not have been as important as healing someone who was paralyzed and in great pain. So this shows that Jesus always put others first, especially when it came to saving them. Am I willing to go the extra mile to help someone who needs the power of Jesus? Am I willing, as I had mentioned before, to be a little bit late for something, to reach out for someone? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He went the extra mile. He, and what I see, he dropped what he was doing to go help this man. He was willing to drop everything to go to this man's house and heal the servant. I often find that it's hard to go that extra mile because we think we are doing something that is more important. We think, oh, work, getting to work on time is so much more important than sitting down with this man. We put our priorities in the wrong place. I do. I know I do. But I find that what God desires most is my heart and the heart of those who are lost. He desires the heart. He doesn't necessarily desire the action before the heart. He looks at the heart first. And that's what he desires. If our heart and our priorities are straight, we'll care for others as Jesus cares for others. So, Let's continue the story. Let's look at verse 8 and 9. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over superior officers. No, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, and come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. So, the Roman officer asked Jesus to just speak instead of going to the house. To just speak the word. Notice the faith this man had. He believes that the word of Jesus could heal his servant. He says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Can you imagine that being this man of authority and coming to Jesus and saying, you know, 
I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. I have the faith in you that you can just speak the word and it will happen. Where did this faith come from? Where did this Roman officer's faith come from? My only thought is it came directly from God. God gave him that faith to go to Jesus knowing that his words would heal him or his suffering. <laughs> Oftentimes, I think it would require more than his words for a miracle to happen. I think, okay, he's got to touch someone. He's got to work through someone else. But this man believed that it was just the words of Jesus. I don't know why I doubt the power of his words. Because I think back in Genesis and that he created the whole universe by just his words. He spoke it all into existence. And if he could do that, why do I doubt that just his words could cleanse someone? I wish I had the faith that this man had. He had the faith that Jesus could heal his servant by his words alone because of the position he was in. He says, I know this in verse 9. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. So he relates this to where he is in the position and work that he's in. And there are many things in my life that I know Jesus can do because of the position that I'm in. Right now, back in the United States, I work as a maintenance guy. I go around, I fix things. I find the problem, I go grab the tools and I fix them. And I can relate this so easily to what Jesus does. He finds us broken. He knows exactly what it needs or what he needs to fix us. And so it's so easy to relate what Jesus does to how we live our lives. So let's now look at verse 10. It says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Jesus himself was amazed by the faith this man had. No one had heard of someone believing in Jesus in such a way. Could you imagine if Jesus was amazed by your faith? What was so amazing about this man's faith? The amazing part was that he believed Jesus could heal with just words and nothing else. This kind of faith is the faith that Jesus can do the impossible in impossible ways. That's what made it amazing, is it? was a faith that believed that Jesus could do the impossible. And not only do the impossible, but do it in an impossible way. And this faith, it amazed Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus up in heaven right now, looking down at you and thinking, I'm amazed by your faith in me. I imagine him up there with a smile. Man, I'm so amazed by this person's faith. This step of faith that he had. This step of faith he took. I'm amazed by that. It would be amazing to think and see what Jesus says about my faith. The Roman officer did not just have faith that Jesus could perform an impossible miracle, but believed he could do it in an impossible way. Jesus used this man's faith as an example to those around him. We see that he said, it says in verse 10, he turned to those who were following him. 
he turned around and said, being amazed, and said, basically, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this, not even in this nation, Israel. Jesus gives us this example to use today. I find that I know God is the God of the impossibilities, but do I believe it? I know it. I know it in my head. I know it. But do I believe that Jesus can do the impossible things? Do I believe it in my heart? It's the difference between knowing in my head and believing it in my heart and letting what I believe be acted out. I often think, I'm not worth it to God for Him to work a miracle. I'm not worth it to Him. I'm too small. I think I'm not good enough for Him to care. But let me tell you, He cares. He cares so much. More than I could ever imagine He cares. He says, I am worth it. He says, I do love you and want what's best for you. We see that Jesus now begins to use this as a time to teach about how heaven will work. He says in verse 11, let's look. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But, look at that but. Many Israelites, those whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This was something that was so new to the people around him. He says, heaven will not only be a place that Jews get to go to, but also the Gentiles. Back then, the Jews thought that this was only, it was only them who would go to heaven. And the Gentiles were just kind of outcasts. <laughs> but this is what Jesus here is, is saying is totally different from what they believed. It shows us that heaven is based solely on our faith, not by being born into a certain nation, not be by born into certain parents, a Christian home, not because we go to church, not because. I read the Bible, but because of my faith. Because the Jews thought they held to the law. They thought they did. They thought if they held to the law, that's why they would go to heaven. But it's by faith and faith alone. And so Jesus uses this man's faith as an example. So now let's continue on. Let's start at verse 13, the end of the story. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home, because you believed it, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. So he says, Because you believed, it has happened. This was another act of faith that the Roman officer had to go through. It was one step to just go to Jesus and ask him. But it was a whole other step for him to believe that Jesus' words actually healed his servants. That it actually healed him and to go back now and seek. He had to take a step of faith to walk away from Jesus, believing that his words healed him, and go back and see for himself. Notice that Jesus said the servant was healed because the centurion believed, because this Roman officer believed. It was his faith that made the difference. It was the faith that made it all happen. Faith that Jesus could do the impossible. The young servant was healed at that very moment. At the moment Jesus spoke it, he was healed. You see at the end of 13 it says, The young servant was healed that same hour. 
Jesus didn't delay. It was that exact hour. Let's now look at the next story that Matthew gives us. It begins at verse 14. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her, or when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her, then she got up and prepared a meal for him. So first we see that Jesus is observant. He goes into Peter's mother-in-law's house and he sees that she's sick. It would have had to enter the house and look around and see. Then we see he takes action to care for her without her asking. We see that he first sees her, but then he puts that observation to action. He not only sees the problem, but takes action to solve it. Jesus will work in our lives without us even asking for it. He sometimes chooses to bless us when we never ask. That's what he did here. Is You have no recording of her asking Jesus to heal her, but he just goes up and touches her. And he does the exact same thing in my life. He has blessed me more than I deserve. And a lot of it are things I've never even asked for. It shows that he's watching out for us, he's looking after us, and he knows us. He knows our needs. Before we even ask, before we even think of it, he knows them. And he has a way to fulfill them. So, after this woman is healed, she immediately goes and serves them. You see that she is healed, and at the end of verse 14, 15, says, then she got up and prepared a meal for him. Not only is she healed, but she doesn't go to the priest, doesn't do anything like that. But she goes and prepares a meal. He, she serves them. So we see on three occasions of we see three occasions of individuals being healed. And then Matthew adds one more story to wrap up his topic of faith and healing. He concludes it by saying, let's look at verse 16 through 17. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. So we see that it is easy for Jesus to work in people's lives. Just look at how Jesus says, or that Matthew says, he cast the evil spirits out with a simple command. It was easy for him. It was simple for Jesus, who is God, who created the world, to cast the demons out with a simple command. So, why do I think it's too hard for Jesus to work in my life? Some of the reasons are I think my problems are too big. I think that I'm going through so much that he can't handle it. And I get so focused in on my problems. And then also I also often think I'm too small. My problems are too small. I'm not worth it. But remember that God desires to help us walk through life. It does not matter what the problem is. He's always willing to help. So, with closing all this up, we see four main points in this portion of Scripture. In the first four verses, we see that the leper had come to Jesus for himself and was healed. So the leper comes and asks Jesus to heal him directly. We can do the same thing with Jesus today. We go to Jesus asking for personal healing. Then we see in verse 5 through 13 that the Roman officer comes to Jesus and requests healing for someone else, and they were healed. So he intercedes for his servant. It shows me that I can go to Jesus for others. I can pray for others. I can bring others before Jesus. 
Next, we see in verse 14 and 15 that Jesus goes to Peter's mother-in-law who is sick without any request. Shows that Jesus will fulfill our needs without us even asking or thinking about it. And then last, we see in verses 16 to 17 that Jesus healed many. And it is easy to believe that these were in many different ways. It tells me that Jesus will work in my life in many ways, doing many things. And he will work in our lives together in many different ways. So, wrapping this up, I think I may have said that before, (laughs) but wrapping this up, we see that all these stories are different. They all have something different. They have different people. They have different illnesses. They're all in different places. They're all done in different ways. And they're all healed for a different reason. But we do see that they all have one thing in common. And that is that Jesus was the only one who heals and cleansed. It was only Jesus who did that. And it's only Jesus who can heal and cleanse us. So, this week, I want to impress into Jesus. I want to remember that Jesus is the only one that can heal. That's a personal challenge I have for myself this week after studying this, is that I want to put Jesus first. I want to pray before going to a doctor. I want to pray for Jesus' healing before going to a doctor. I often, I get sick, and it's got, oh, doctor first. Which doctors aren't bad. But it's best to go to Jesus first. No. I just, I can't think of the last song that was sung. We are able to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. So let's do that. Let's all, this week, go to Jesus first. Bring everything to Him in prayer. And so, I want to thank you that I was able to come up here and teach. It's a privilege. I thank Pastor Aaron for allowing me to do this. And I thank you all for bearing with me and listening to me. I hope that you were blessed by this message.